Hello and welcome to a very special episode of I Spit on Your Grades. This week we're going to be discussing uh, the event we've just attended, the Cellulite Screams Festival in Sheffield. That's three days of horror, three days of horror films, horror shorts, social distancing, fun. Just to let you all know, you're going to hear stuff in this show about films that may may give some things away so if you're not into spoilers um or sexual talk or anything like that then do one uh, for this episode only though i'll come back after you've seen the films um so today i'm joined by uh, obviously myself it's me mercer as always here with the love and the joy and um i'm here with the the fabulous the enticing, the wondrous, the sensual, Christopher Ellis. You just made me such a happy man, Mercer. Hello, how are you? I'm absolutely fabulous. And then um, Mrs Ellis is here as well. Oh yeah, thanks, cheers. <laughs> no, the, the, the very talented um, Faye Ellis also um, wants to share her opinions this week. Which is allowed because we live in 2020. Could be any time. Some weird dystopian future or anyway. Like, are we in 2020? I don't know anymore. Is it 2020? Is it 2021? Is it 2029? I don't fucking know. I mean, can 2021 just hurry up and come and be a normal year? That's, that's all I want. Be careful what you wish for because back in 2019 we said, let's make 2020 better. Surely 2020 can't be any worse than 2019 were. And then, you know, worldwide pandemic. So just be careful. Can 2021 just be a pile of shit and let's all stay in as houses? You can't reverse psychology a year. Stop trying to do that. <laughs> I can reverse psychology, Mother Nature, and illnesses, though. <laughs> can't I? Can I? Mm-mm. Who knows? Anywho. Celluloid. Screams. 2020. Festival. <laughs> Dog. Cat. <laughs> it's a jackal. Um, Before we go any further, we'd be remiss to say about the absolutely sterling work that not only the venue themselves have provided this year with all the social distancing measures and safety measures put in place, but also the fact that so many festivals didn't go ahead and went to online only this year, the sterling work of both Rob, Polly and Lucy in ensuring that the festival went ahead cannot be in any way underappreciated. Yeah, everyone was absolutely fantastic. Um, you felt safe. You know, it's, it's a bit of a weird time going into a physical film festival, given the situation. And a lot of people, you know, quite rightly so, chose not to attend due to tier lockdowns how comfortable they felt, I guess, in a physical setting. But I didn't... I felt at ease all weekend myself. Yeah, and it also felt quite... um, So the showroom cinema has a showroom cafe bar next to it. And obviously from Saturday you weren't allowed to drink unless you had food. But it never felt like you were forced into, like, eating. Like, they come, they chattered, Mm. they took a... Like, you know, like some places would be very straight away, are you drinking alcohol? Because if you are, you've got to eat. Mm. 
Whereas these were like, oh, let's just chat, work you out, and then carry on. It was nice. I had a a very pleasant time. I think, like you said, so Mercer, like, you 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 socialised more than you normally would, given this was a socially distanced event. Girl, I know that we we're not we weren't supposed to group up or anything, so it's very awkward either way, whether we're inside or outside. Considering we're at an event where we're not allowed to be in groups of people, so even when everyone went outside and dispersed, it, it, it's difficult to, you know, not be in a group. But the way that everyone was, it were like we were, you stood outside for the cinema, and there's like people scattered all around. You're having like shouty conversations with people. But it just felt a lot more... God, this is scary. It felt semi-normal. Like, after I started doing it, it just felt normal to talk like a decibel higher than you normally would. Or in my case, like, bring it down a bit so that I weren't scaring everyone. But it it was weird. It was nice. I think the difference was... In the normal festival, we finish the film, you run to the bar, you get your drinks, there's that many people there that you don't really have full-on chats with everyone. It's like bits and bobs here and there. Mm. Whereas this, it were like having conversations. Maybe it's the way forward. I don't know. We'll have to see what 2021 brings and whether this is now a normal thing. Although we did miss the after part. I desperately miss the after party and that sense of community. We'll come to it at the end, what they did in lieu of that, because it, it was quite a nice touch to end the festival, but we'll come to that. Shall we um maybe jump into the content and start discussing the films? Yes. <laughs> Such enthusiasm, Christopher. So, Friday morning, day one. And kicking off with Hail to the Deadites, the Evil Dead fan documentary. So less of a take on the films themselves, but more, again, that sen- the sense of community around the Evil Dead, Army of Darkness, Evil Dead 2 franchise. I wasn't expecting much for this, to be honest with you, because um, there's a lot of documentaries that seem to go about, about Evil Dead. So I thought, oh, this is just going to be another... You know, let's discuss all the films. This is why we love it. But this one felt just a little bit more personal. I think like they described it, as Polly described it, a bit more charming. And it was. It was certainly charming. And points in it where I even welled up a little bit because, oh, there was a horrible story. I, again, this is spoilerific, so I do apologise. There was a. It's basically about all these people who come together who love Evil Dead and how Evil Dead has changed their lives and how it's affected them. Um, some people had met their partners and got married. Um, there's one story about Bruce Campbell maybe crowdfunding a guy to get in there who looks like Bruce Campbell and he wanted to show his cosplay off, which was lovely. But there was one story about um, a guy who was so into Evil Dead, he wanted to call his son ash wasn't it yeah yeah so he wanted to call him ash and unfortunately the little baby had complications and passed away and i can feel myself tearing up a bit just thinking about it because it oh it brought my heart that bit but no it it was it was something different commerce so now worrying about how much you hated it i didn't hate it so um 
one of the things I do is I have an instant reaction to everything and then I spend time thinking about things. So for me, Hail to the Deadites, I don't think it brought much to the table. I didn't really learn anything new. Um, so I found that point a bit disappointing. But in retrospect, what I did like about it is that emphasis on community. Mm. And I, I think a lot of people have, oh, they might not have it as much now, but in the past there's definitely been opinions on people who like horror and what type of people they are. And this is just another one of the films that highlights that it's just regular people who happen to like horrific stuff, but they are some of the nicest people that you'll meet because there is so much more a sense of community with that shared respect for, in this instance, the Evil Dead films. Mm. So I liked that aspect. I just didn't really get much else from the documentary. I'm not entirely sure you were supposed to, though, because it wasn't really bringing you any facts. But like you say, it wasn't bringing anything new. There were no facts that you didn't know already, but it was more about the people and behind it, how it's affected them rather than anything to do with the actual franchise itself. Does that make sense? Yeah, exactly. That's, well, that was completely what it was about. I mean, the only thing I would, as I say, I'd have been happy if this had been an hour long, should a presents documentary, I'd have put it on and gone, yeah, that's fine. I don't think it needed a cinema screening. And if we've learned anything from this documentary, it's probably don't marry someone based on your shared love at Evil Dead or <laughs> prepare to be divorced a year later. Can't believe they got divorced. <laughs> well, there you go. Who knew that wasn't going to last? What do we have next? Cabrito oh. is next. We will breeze over this one very quickly, I imagine. So, a South American film, regard a three-act film shot, or the film takes place over four or five years, four years, I do believe it is, or shot over four years. It's shot remember. over four years. And then, which depicts various life stages of this man's... Time and his fractious relationship with his mother and father, and what this eventually drives him to do. If that, if my description of it sounded a mess, try watching the film. <laughs> I did not enjoy Cabrito at all. Um, it was the only one from the weekend that I didn't enjoy, and it was just so confusing. It didn't make it clear that it was set in those times and that it was following a timeline. So I got the timeline, as in I understood it was the same character, but it just felt very choppy. So I, I literally, I there was a part where I was just so confused and I was like, I think I've been asleep because it made, there was no sense that how I got from point A to point B. And then afterwards, speaking to everyone, Everyone were like, no, no, there really was no kind of sense on how we got from there to there. Mm. I would like to watch it again, purely to, knowing how confusing it is, makes me feel like I need to watch it and just concentrate a bit more. Okay. I think sometimes in festivals, you kind of think things are just going to be nice and breezy and 
you know, you don't really need to give like a hundred. Well, you give a hundred percent, but you don't have to think about things sometimes. So, but um, yeah, it probably didn't. I don't think it went down very well. No, it didn't. With people, let's move on swiftly from Cabrito because we, you know, not focusing on the negatives, focusing on the positives. Next film was Hunted, which was incredible. I loved Hunted. I mean, it got a bit messy in the final act and maybe went on for a tad longer than it should have. However, um, it was a really good story behind it. And quite rightly, as it was described, it isn't your typical girl is getting stalked, getting stalked for a reason, because this guy's a maniac, basically. A porn maniac. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah, so it's not his traditional revenge tale. Although saying that it takes a long while for it to turn into something different and what you're what you're expecting to be. It's only really that last twenty twenty five minutes where it actually turns. Mm-hmm. I thought it were earlier. Mm. I mean, don't, don't get me wrong. I loved it. I had an absolute blast with it, and I didn't mind. The, I didn't mind the final. Like, the fact that the last act goes completely bonkers, and we have paintballs and hand display properties and weird zombie moments. <laughs> Brilliant. Absolutely loved it. I can't say whether I loved it or not. <laughs> like, I hated the start of the film. Um, like, the build-up, the story. And I guess it was the explanation of why, I, when we get to the scenes where the woman's in the woods getting chased, she becomes strong or whatever. I just hated the start of the film. I got so confused about where it was supposed to be set. The accents were, like, all over the place. We had Canadian, American, French. I got mad at the scene where she's in a bar and there's a guy talking to her she do not want to talk to her. And he's saying... He's asking her where she's from based on her accent. And then she's like, I'm from France. But this guy is clearly French as well. And I just didn't understand how he didn't recognise the accent which was basically his accent. I think you're getting into semantics a bit here because, yeah, it, the accents were all over the place, but that didn't take anything away from me or certainly put my attention on it for me not to enjoy it. I'll tell you what I did love, though. I loved the lead badder. Okay. Did you, did you, <laughs> no did opinion you, on that. Did you love him or did you love him? You love him. I just liked him. I loved that moment where... Um, Again, everyone, remember the spoilers in here. That moment when he's got her in car and she's kissing him and then she goes to touch him and he kind of like flinches and she's like, what? And then he just like gets up, turns around, other dude gets in and they start driving and she's just like, what's going on? And he's just like, yeah, we'll go somewhere else now. And I just love the way he will like, I don't know, I just enjoyed him. I thought the way he teased her and stuff, I, I really did enjoy. I mean, on the whole, I, I really enjoyed Hunted. I was I was pleasantly surprised because we've had a glut of revenge thrillers recently. I would say it was flawed, but not terrible. So it's definitely something that you could watch again. Okay. Um, that brings us on to our fourth film of the day, which was in my top five and I absolutely fucking adored. Of course I was going to. It's Steve Kostanska, why would I not? Um, Psycho Gorman. I had a blast with this film. It was hilarious. The effects were on point. There were references to Biocop in there, which are fucking... I mean, I'm hoping it's a reference to Biocop. If it's not, I've just planted that myself. That's absolutely fine. 
Um, the story were great. The characters were great. Little kids, well acted. I know Chris had an issue with the lead little actress in that. But um, for me, this was one of the best films of the weekend. It was very, very clearly a reference to Biocop. The fact that it was the same dude who was a cop from Biocop who made into a monster who has to be killed. Very clearly a Biocop <laughs> reference. Ellie. Um, not going to pass any other opinion on this film because I had a tough time watching it because I, I had a really bad day. I had a really bad day all day. But by this point, I were in just a little bit of a I can't really focus on anything mode. So I I, I don't know whether I enjoyed it or not because I, I just couldn't give it my all. So I'm just going to leave it on Psycho Go a minute of that. I'll tell you what I did enjoy. Adam Brooks. Adam Brooks was hilarious in this as just the not giving a shit whilst trying to portray giving a shit dad. I would really like to enjoy Adam Brooks. <laughs> That's the other thing. That. It was great, and I really enjoyed it. However, the girl playing Mimi, I thought they went too far with how irritating she was. So I can see what they were trying to do with it. She was supposed to be an irritating brat all the way through, and then they were supposed to have the character arc where she has that moment with her brother at the end, and they, they do love each other and everything's great. But she was just far... Far too over the top for me. Every time she came on screen and spoke, I wanted to just rip my ears out. Bit extreme. Sorry, sorry for having a view of the film. Sorry if I bothered you with my opinion. Yeah, no, I, I know you. I know you had a tough time with the lead character. I didn't. I thought it was perfectly played the whole way through. I loved it all. I loved the mom in it. She were hilarious too, and now she got the chance to be like. A badass and also like, like I said on Twitter absolutely cemented my opinion that Steve needs to make a Power Rangers movie because oh my god the, it, that council that they had in space just could have been right out of Power Rangers episode well the the battle that PG has with the with his former comrades yeah that is very that's that was a completely Power Rangers scene so lifted, you could have taken out of any of the Power Rangers uh, series, apart from obviously when bits of them start coming off and uh, stuff. But there you go. So maybe that's one you need to revisit as well, Mercer, when you've not got so much of a headache. Just most of it, I, I enjoyed it. Um, some of it, again, I, I might have just been slightly irritated, but I think I was just irritated. Um, so everything was irritating me. Um, and I wanted to sleep. Fair enough. And not because of the film me okay that's fair enough um yeah then we moved on to our final film of the day which was train to pasan presents peninsula which i'd heard online prior that it wasn't that great and i mean it certainly wasn't train to pasan but it was a different film entirely it was a different feel it was more action it was more the raid which i was totally on board with and i had i had a blast with this film i really did to say it was the last film when i'm normally a bit sleepy you know, you've had so many films throughout the day. You're starting to get a bit fatigued. This kept me awake the entire way through. Loved it. Echo that completely. Action scenes were great. Thing looks huge. It's much bigger scale than Train to Busan, obviously. With them having roughshod over a whole cityscape. 
So, yeah, it's a completely different film to Train to Busan. As you say, a lot more raid, a lot more set pieces. The only thing that really irritated me was that absolute need to shoehorn in the, the heart-tugging moments. Yeah. So, obviously, we have the daughter-dad in the first Train to Busan. And which, then, which felt natural which, and organic. Exactly. Because it's built up over yeah. the whole... There are, there are two main characters over the course of the film, so we spend all our time with them. That builds up their relationship, so we actually care about them by the time... We have that moment at the end, whereas this was shoehorned in. We lose his brother-in-law during the film, the granddad, cops it, and then nearly the mother at the end as well. Only then to have that annoying Hollywood save. <sighs> it, it was it was absolutely ridiculous when they get to again. My apologies, listeners, spoilers. Um, when they get to the helicopter at the end and there's the chance for them to just get on that helicopter but instead they have this loving moment where they all hug each other like get on the fucking plane so you're gonna get bitten there's fucking zombies coming for you stop hugging get on and they didn't and you know and i said it over the course of the weekend if anything would have happened to them at that point that would have been their own fault and i'd have had no sympathy for them because you know you want to be fucking sweet at a time like this nah did not work for Bob in Stranger Things. Not going to work for you. Mercer, opinion? I didn't like it. <laughs> Nothing to add to that? I didn't like it. Um, there were a car chase in the film that I never do this, but I was watching the film and there were a car chase sequence on it. I'd been on for ages and I thought, oh, well, I could get a bus over at 5 to 12. I'm just going to I'm just gonna sneakily look at what time it is. <laughs> And I looked, something like 12 minutes past 11, and I thought, God, I've got ages, so, you know, I'll stick it out. And then this car sequence was still on. And then I had a look again, and it was like 22 minutes later or something, and I'm still on the same fucking car sequence chase. I was like, I think I've just spent an hour of this film watching a car chase, and I don't like it. Okay. I don't like it at all. I'm sorry. Train to percent percent below. I really think you should do yourself a favour and drop the train to Pasan part, play it as shit insular, and then everyone will be happy because it's pretty pants. Strong words from this are there. Strong words. Just that, just before one, I love train to Pasan so much. So I think I'm tainted by my love of the film, the link to the film. Um, even if it's only a titular link. Um, it just, it just, it didn't feel right for me. I'd like to watch it again because I do feel like maybe now that I realise how far removed it is from the film, I'm not invested in it as a Trent Passant film. And I think it might have a difference. Might have a difference. Although I hated it. Well, that round, that rounded off day one where mostly hits rather than misses, apart from Mercy, who ain't everything apart from one film. So, no, to be fair, he, he did struggle during the day. So we'll, we'll take his ill health into consideration on that day. Day two, back, fresh-faced, ready to go. Ropes, first film up. My most anticipated film of the festival. So, for those that don't know, Ropes is a recently disabled teen moving back into her father's property so he can take care of her with the help of a... Gorgeous assistance dog. However, the dog unfortunately 
gets bitten by a bat and becomes rabid and dad's in no position to help as i say this is spoilerific he is dead of a heart attack on the outside floor so he's in no position to help her as she is trapped in her home defending herself against a rabid dog so basically it's cujo in a big house rather than a car i mean for me ropes was like a dream film because it was a horror with two of the cutest animals in it ever by the end actually three dogs which i liked very much because we all know i love a dog um but now i obsessively want a ferret just to call luke i mean this is one of my first thoughts where oh maybe i should get a pet ferret but you don't have to do much for him do you i felt so sorry for it and all because it came into the house and she's obviously got it as a pet from where she was living before and that what's the breed of the dog it's a German Shepherd. A German Shepherd, which was gorgeous, by the way. Um, and then this German Shepherd just gets rabies and tries to eat it and eventually gives the ferret rabies, which was hilarious, by the way. And I never thought, like... I'm going to call it a zombie ferret because that's what it looked like, but I never thought I needed a zombie ferret in my life, but I do because that was everything, that scene. It was brilliant. Went straight for neck. You knew where to go. It was like, yes, I'm fucking you up. I think ropes was a really good choice for the start of the day. Mm. Um, it were it had some nice action. Um, it weren't a perfect film. Let's be honest. Um, there were for me. I was just I was so confused about what movement she had in that one arm that worked. That sometimes she could barely raise a left wrist, and then other times she were like swinging it around her head like she just didn't care. Um, <laughs> For reals. You see, I, like all all continuity errors aside, it never took me out of it, not once. And, you know, uh, even at the end of the film, I still didn't want that dog to die, even though it had done harm. should have lived. It wasn't the dog's fault. It wasn't, no. No. And she was fucking awful to that dog. So no wonder... It, like, wanted its revenge. I literally turned to Chris and went, well, that's her own fault for being a bitch to him, innit? I'm not even sure the dog had rabies. <laughs> I, I think it's so its opportunity. It's so about, oh, I'm not getting fucking done for this one. This is a plausible deniability. You wait till this goes to the trial. Diminished responsibility. Lord duck. Lord duck. There's a whole new sitcom waiting to be written there. Oh, my God. Order, order, you're shitting on the floor. <laughs> now, I will say, I did think, um, although I really enjoyed Ropes, it's one of my favourite from the festival, I did kind of think it was a little confused in what it was doing, as in we there was like a, 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 a couple of points where it focused on this wishing well, and how it was potentially the wishing well that had caused everything. So, like, there was, like, an element of fairy tale supernaturalness to it. And then there was the scenes with the twin sister coming back that kind of made me, like, when it made a vom- when she made a vomit, then pills up, and she did. It was like, so is there, is there an actual real-life ghost in this, or...? Like, so we're a bit mm, not sure whether... I think I had too many ideas. I didn't get that myself. 
um, to me, that was her dealing with the grief of accidentally killing her sister. And the wishing well was from when they were younger and they'd had the book written about them. And I guess at some point she'd wished to be an only child because the other one was getting so much attention lavished on her. She was, you know, like the prize cow sort of thing, doing all the gymnastics. And she wasn't, basically. And her sister, from what I gathered, was a bit mean to her. So I think the whole, that was just literally the guilt in her head of wishing to be alone and having her wish come true. And the whole vomit in the pill-up is just a reaction, but it's what her mind's playing on because she's out of it. The problem with the wishing well is they, they spend that much time on it. It's like I say, don't show a gun in Act 1 if you're not going to use it in Act 3. Mm. And they spent so much time showing that, which I assumed that they, they were going to have the dog fall down there at the end. And that was how she was going to avoid, that was how she was going to defeat it. I assumed that was how she got disabled initially. I thought she'd fell down it or something. There was that scene as well, remember, where the dog was outside and he was just barking at the well. Mm. Which, like, you, it just brought so much attention to the well. And then with the storybook, and with the scene where she said, after she'd had an argument with her dad, she was staring directly at that, that well and she said, I wish I was dead. So there was, like you said, there was a lot of emphasis on the well. So I, I thought it was going to take a turn and there were going to be some kind of mythological, supernatural mm. or occult vibe to it. Okay, yeah, no, I yeah. And then it didn't. But taking that away, I still think the film... And the, the slight continuity errors. I do think the film was probably one of the best. Yeah, it was. Honeydew was the next one up. A lot of hate for Honeydew. Not hate. Hate's a strong word. A lot of dislike for Honeydew, which I personally didn't understand. Because I thought it was fantastic from the get-go. I had loads of fun with Honeydew. Yeah. I thought it had amazing sound score. Uh, it kind of... Almost reminiscent, like... And people are going to probably shoot me down for this, but kind of reminiscent of Goblin with the like weird voices and stuff like that that they use in like Suspiria. Okay. It was some like kind of weird voice music-y sounds throughout this one which I really enjoyed. And I also kind of enjoyed like the, the split screen work that they did. I really I really enjoyed Henny G. I I particularly liked the ending. I'm not sure which one of the eighteen of them was my was my <laughs> favourite. No, it it's it was great. It is too. It is too long. I say there are there are five or six possible ending scenes there, but it's got a really nice dark vibe. And as you said, Paige, during it, it is very much like if Richard Bates Jr., who we adore, Richard, if you're listening, please come on the show. Richard Bates Jr., <laughs> who we absolutely love, if he got his hands on read on remaking the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah. This is the film we would have had. Very sweaty, hot film. I, I, I tend to gravitate towards these sweaty, hot films because I think you can feel them when you're watching them. You can feel the temperature of it. And there's something about a villain or a villainess like Karen that's really kind of appealing. Like, I really want to know more about Karen mm. and her backstory and... And, and what she's going to do going forward. I just found her so fascinating as a villain. I found all the characters in it fascinating. I mean, obviously, they've got this marital disagreement. Go- not disagreement, what's the word? Mar- marital hiccup going on. Um, 
where he's not she's not allowing him to do certain things he's following it but resenting it so they're kind of resenting each other um gune who is who they've got there as well who you don't you obviously know a bit about his backstory but not a lot and but his character the way they portray him is ugh, it's dirty you want to shower after looking at him because you can see like shit dripping down his chin and ugh, just looks looks nasty do you not not him the character just looks nasty the guy who played Goonie, it's probably his first film. And then someone being really, well, be really horrible about the way no, he looks. No, that's not what I meant. I <laughs> meant in terms of what they make him doing, the way that he's got the thing wrapped around his head and the way his clothes are all dirty and stuff like that. Not him, but his character. Which is brilliant. It's, it's a brilliant portrayal of it. I personally thought. And then obviously, surprise cameo at the end. Who I didn't even know was in it, Leah Dunham. I was like, "What the web? Where did you come from?" With no limbs. Yeah, the surprise cameo was a bit odd. I think for me, I, I like I said, Honeydew again, probably one of my favourites. But I do think it suffered from having too many ideas. Obviously, I think the filmmaker uh, Deborah Milburn. I, I'm guessing they were just too excited. I just went. I just want everything, uh, and I can. Whereas I think they needed to just take a step back and just shave some of this film down and it would have gone from being a really good film to a fucking amazing film, I think. Agreed. We had up next, again, one of my... They're all my best of the fest. There's literally only one that wasn't my best of the fest. Um, but my other best of the fest, my heart can't beat unless you tell it to. Woo! Woo! Gorgeous film. Um, mm. Heartbreaking and moving oh everything everything this film very tonally similar to a lot of films I love if you look our recent psychological horror episode this would fit very nicely into such as the invitation they look like people again shot in the same way very low budget minimal locations all about the performances over everything else so completely in our wheelhouse i'm not surprised that we all had massive love for this yeah i mean i hated it oh i didn't really <laughs> i didn't it was very it's very much um i never realized until probably quite recently i think i've got a type when it comes to movies <laughs> right. and very much fits in with the kind of thing that i really like this it's a slow burn character build, but it doesn't do it at the detriment of the horror aspect. So when it introduces the horrific scenes or the horrific, because the story in general is normally quite horrific. It's always quite bleak. But then when they introduce like the violence or the gore or things like that, it, it's not compromised, but it's not over the top. I've, I've just realised as well, we didn't actually give a synopsis of Honey Do You Realise, so we better give a synopsis of this one, play catch up. Um, this film is basically about a brother and a sister who are looking after their younger brother, who you find out is a vampire. Not a bitey vampire, but a need blood to live vampire. Um, so they have basically given up every aspect of their life to take care of him. They go out and they kill and they drain the blood from these people to give to the brother. But he obviously at that teenager coming into twenties kind of age, I'd say he hasn't had a life and he resents the fact he's cooped up in the house and can't go outside. He understands why, 
but he's still bitter about it nonetheless. So tries to make friends with the people he is outside his door. The older brother, bless him, he too has given up his entire life to look after his brother. So he's not had any real experiences. So he just wants to up and end it. And the only one who seems, you know, content with getting on with things and moving it forward is the sister. So she, you, you don't really know how she's feeling on the surface of it. It's more a this has to be done sort of thing than rather my needs be anywhere involved. She's very, she approaches it very practically, but loving that. So obviously she loves a brother and this is, that's their life. Like that little bubble, that's their life. Uh, she goes to work, but even when she's at work, like she's always on the lookout for who or what she can do to help mm. a brother. Um, whereas, yeah, the the older brother, the one who actually does the deed, is one. He just wants more from life, doesn't he? he wants mm. that connection with people. It's just, it's just a nice, it's a nice bleak film. Yeah, that's a story and got characters and. And I guess, in some respects, the take away the vampirism and the murder, they're, they're quite relatable characters because we're all kind of stuck in a cycle of life, aren't we? Um, especially now. Cheery. <laughs> what a cheer. <laughs> but what I mean is we all, like, like, like none of us have, like, the, an extravagant or... Um, we're very structured. We get up, we go to work, we come home. Excuse me, I've, we just bought an air fryer. We're living on the edge. <laughs> Thank you. I just mean, like, they're relatable because the, the their life is a cycle and we all have a cycle and not, we're not, you know, we're not killing people to survive, but basically we're just doing what we do to survive. Yeah. Um. And I guess uh, uh, most of them bleak kind of character-driven films tend to have that kind of, it's all just about survival um, in in the only way you can. See, for me, watching it, it, it made me want the best for them. The best for all of them. You know, the, the brother who wants to just up and go to LA and he keeps changing the postcard of where he wants to go to. It's like, all right, then just go. Just go and do it. And bless him, the teenager... I felt so hard for him and I was terrified when the invited so when he invited the younger boy into the house that he was just going to beat him up or he was going to rob him or do something and I was terrified for him because he was so socially awkward I just I I felt my heart dropping I'm like please be nice to him please don't do anything to him this is going to absolutely break my heart if you are just awful in any way shape or form it doesn't turn out that way, thankfully. Well, not thankfully. Still pretty bad, but it doesn't turn out that way. Yeah, events do spiral out once, once he's in the home. As like many of these things, once they're when they're in their own protective little bubble, they can move. We're relating this back to this year, this <laughs> year over and over again. If this if this film warns anything, it warns: stay in your own little bubble. Because if you invite other people from outside it into your home, you will have to be burnt alive by sunlight. <laughs> but yeah, go check out that um, because it's an incredible film. Well, then we went on to watch um, <laughs> the UK, uh, Ireland, 
Ireland film, um, filmed in the UK and Ireland. This film was called Boys from County Hell. What are your personal highlights for this? Yeah, word around the street is you love this. <laughs> you sound like the start of a Mark Commode review. Right? It's just like, just like, I'm tell just us, disappointed. Tell us, Mercer, what do you think of it? <sighs> I feel bad because, you know, people put a lot of work into this film. Um, and I just didn't like it. I'm sorry. I, I, I didn't like it. Um, I didn't find it funny. I didn't find it endearing. I found it tonally confusing. Um, I just didn't like it at all. But I'm hard to please when it comes to comedy horror. Absolutely. So it's it's not it's not a shock, probably for people who actually know me, that I'm going to walk out of something like this and not like it. And I'm going to stop there because I. Otherwise, I'm just going to say a lot of negative things because I can't, I'm not, I've, I've, I've got nothing positive, sorry. I'll interject with some positivity then because I, unsurprisingly, because fear loves everything, um, had a great time with Boys From County Hell. Um, I think I was on a nice beer buzz. Weren't too drunk, weren't too tipsy. It was just nice, it was a nice buzz. And um, it really worked for me. I like the characters, I like the story. I like the effects of it. I mean, to be honest with you, that final vampire thing, whatever it were, was actually creepy. Yeah, genuinely. If you put that, if you put that into a normal, a straight, horror. straight vampire film, you'd have looked at that and gone, That's, that looks really great for what they've done for the look of a vampire. Do you know, I think I've worked out, just on a side note, what it is about vampires that are so creepy for me. And it's this bridge of the nose thing. It like turns up like that and makes like a v and i think that really freaks me out because i was looking on the posters upstairs for um dead snow 2 and for the descent and the descent's got their creatures have got that kind of bump on the bridge of the nose as well so that's what it is for me with vampires that's why i find them so creepy there you go there you go as you say though i i really enjoyed it as well the film that is not the vampire's nose analogy, which was also perfectly not an analogy, it's just an observation. Just a observation. Boys from County Hell. Joke, the gag rate, perfectly fine. Every joke hit, I think, pretty much what I they mean, were intended for. It wasn't constant either. No, exactly. It, was, it wasn't, the, they didn't feel the need to go jump or vampire, gag, 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 gag. It was... It was kind of if you wrote a really decent sitcom, yeah, and then interjected vampires in it. Yeah, there's probably there's probably a a sitcom here about the construction crew and their battles against the undead. You watch it; it'll be a TV show before you know it. But seeing as obviously you know there's not there's not much else you can cover with that. We'll move on to the Celluloid Scream secret film, which oh, I disappointed myself. Because I saw everybody on Facebook going on about Benny Loves You that they'd just seen at Friar Fest. I was like, oh my God, I need to see Benny Loves You now. Um, and I was praying and praying for that. But it wasn't. It was actually... Block Island Sound. Block Island Sound. Which, to be fair, was really good. I think it was um, Steve, Steve Care who said that he saw it as an X-Files episode. In that it's something that would have maybe... Come out as that. I think 
I think that was a very spot-on observation from him, to be honest. Essentially, we have loads of odd shenanigans with fish and birds dying around this island and a weird disappearance and then death of the lead's father. He's having time go missing. He's having blackouts. Could it be an alien? Yes, it is. <laughs> it's always an alien. It was It was just fine. That's is my biggest criticism of it. And you knew exactly where was going. As soon as we have the analogy about taking fish out of the sea to see how they work, and it's fine if some of them die when you put a some of them don't make it back. As soon as they did that first analogy, you realise, you go, okay, so it's aliens that we're dealing with. Yeah. And then it dawdles along, dawdles along, and then it ends without any real resolution. That's, I think that's the thing, because there's no resolution, I think that was the thing that I didn't like the most about it. But I still enjoyed it as a film. I think, you know, the the storytelling was good and the portrayal of the tortured, troubled brother was a really good story to tell, but ultimately just fell a little bit flat at the end. I literally agree with you both. Um, I really enjoyed the performances, particularly from um, Mr Sheffield. I don't know his first name, but I'm sure he's called something Sheffield. But uh, from the brother, I particularly enjoyed his performance. Um, I kind of, that, that kind of breakdown of losing like your best friend, your father, um, the, the 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 relationship that you've got with your sisters not being the perfect, and then obviously getting abducted as well, all that accumulated yeah. <laughs> into behaving. I did enjoy that because, and you know, there were points where I was like, "Is it grief? Is it something else? Or is he just struggling? Mm. Is it a mental breakdown?" Um, I found. I, f- I found the ending disappointing. Although we're interested that they chose, they stuck with the family. So I guess my mind's telling me that now the sister's going to go through the exact same thing and then possibly the other sister or the daughter. Maybe. Next day, last day, Sunday, um, it started with the columnist, but we've already discussed that in the Fright Fest episode. So I don't think we'll go into that again. because I mean, because I loved it as a film, but chose breakfast instead because hmm. why wouldn't you it's food um so it was the, breakfast, oh it was an amazing breakfast i mean if you always talk five minutes about the croc madame and the chorizo and sweet potato hash i could totally do that but we probably shouldn't because it's not a food no but if you're in sheffield at showroom cafe and have breakfast have any food from them because they're amazing and we're not even on commission or anything we're really not Next year, though, showroom. Next year. <laughs> so, yeah, the first film of the day for us was The Amazing Relic, which I do need to revisit. I won't lie to you, um, because there were some aspects that confused me, but it was an amazing film. Yeah, I think everyone came out of it with a positive opinion of it. We're dealing with a lady who is in advancing years, lives on her own, away from her daughter and granddaughter. She goes missing for three days away from the property. Police call the daughter and granddaughter. They come along, they see what's going on. And then we start to have a nerving shizzle 
happen from there? Mm. The classic story, obviously, of is it a ghost? Is it dementia? Is it mental illness? Which, you know, I know a lot of people tend to link and say maybe you shouldn't be linking mental illness to these disturbing stories and, you know, because it just makes it a lot of people are going out of their minds. But I think it's a perfectly valid subject to cover in terms of it. I don't think there's anything wrong with highlighting it and bringing it to everybody's attention. Well, no, it's, I mean, let's face it. Horror is essentially what terrifies you, what are you scared of, and bringing that to the screen. And in the case of the director here in the Q&A, she was saying how she'd gone to see her grandmother in Japan and she'd gone for a last one of the last visits before she made this and her grandmother just hadn't re- Alzheimer's had set in to such an extent that she went there and she just didn't recognise her. Yeah. And essentially when we go to watch these films, you want to see you want things that scare you, whether that's vampires or giant blobs or the simple fact that we age in Things like Alzheimer's and mental deterioration is a possibility for yeah. you. Yeah. But it were played so well. Um, I mean, the, the three leads... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lump them into the three leads because I thought they all did a fantastic job. Um, they were incredible as a family unit and you just believed them. You believed that they were a family and you believed that they were worried about the mother and you believed that the mother was terrified at going out of her mind. Yeah, genuinely creepy in spots as well. Mm. The scene where she where she's walking to the door, and it looks like she's just walking, and then she lifts her hair off the front of her face to reveal she's been walking backwards. Brilliant scene. Or the figures that we see behind her repeatedly in these, the first half of the film, also properly unsettling. Yeah. The little notes to herself that make things. Is she is she leaving notes just because she's deteriorated? Or the one that says her name, or is she somewhere else? Is something else taking her and pretending to be her, needing these little tidbits and notes just to get through and actually convince everyone that she's not who she is, that she is who she appears to be? I read as well that Relic went down really well with the Fright Fest crowd, so it does seem like it's loved by all. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed Relic. I thought it's probably one of the stronger entrants into the festival. Like you said, the performances were outstanding. The the creep factor was really good with like what you said, Chris, the, the figures that you kind of caught in the corner of the screen or or like behind them. Um and then it had that message obviously about dementia and, and trying to deal with that from a family unit. Um, and it also had kind of a we didn't fully understand the ending if we're being honest <laughs> I mean I didn't I'd, I'd had a beer and needed a nip to the loo and came back to find that she was in a weird, the granddaughter was now in a weird decrepit part of the house and at that point then lost all sense of what was going on for about 15 minutes yeah it, it, it did take a bizarre turn but it also had that it was a little bit poignant and a bit emotional the way she went back into the house so the daughter went back into the house for her mother uh the other grandmother character and started peeling her skin off i didn't really get that but then the granddaughter comes in and they all lay on bed together and she kind of like pulls her mum's top down and she can see her mum has got 
a similar mark that was previously shown on the grandmother. So that kind of like set the tone for the horrors of dementia and the fact that the, the, the daughter or yeah, the daughter is going to probably go through the same mm. and the granddaughter potentially will have that. So it was also quite poignant. And, and obviously in that end scene as well, when she spots it, you've got them laying together on the bed and it's, it descends, so obviously showing physically the uh, the inheritance of it going down, which was a really cool shot, I thought. Really good. We then got Slacks. Mercer, tell us how much you love Slacks. <laughs> so, Slacks is another horror comedy. It's not a full-on horror comedy, though, is it? It's a full-on comedy, no. or it tries to. The characters are caricatures of the worst possible type of people. But aren't every, I, isn't every slasher movie, 80s slasher movie a caricature of those yep, particular people? These are ridiculous caricatures of people who wouldn't get away with behaving how they're behaving in a work environment, let's be honest. They wouldn't... <sighs> I've, I've, I've got nothing positive. I'm sorry. <laughs> nothing positive to say. You could have just walked out, you know. You didn't have to stay. We were socially distancing and I didn't want to have to move the person sat in the seat like away from me. That Literally, he just blocked the aisle one seat away and I could have got out. But because of how we'd be positioned within the cinema, his seat meant that I had to move him if I needed to get out. And... It looked like he was living his best life and enjoying the film, and I didn't want to be that person who's grumbling and groaning and storming out at cinema, going, "This is fucking rubbish." Because, well, I wouldn't have done that, but it would have been evident that you know I was leaving, and I didn't, I didn't want to do, I didn't want to ruin everyone else's festival during the film. I wanted to do it after they all come out, all hyped about, and tell my share Sorry. That's okay. Um, I unfortunately dozed for a little bit of slacks, so I, I'd miss the whole actual moral message behind <laughs> it. <laughs> you were so lucky, Faith. I, st- I stayed awake throughout, and I really enjoyed it. It's a slasher involving a killer pair of jeans slash creature feature, because the jeans are clearly sentient. And more of a creature than a slasher. They're kind of like a giant fish. The jeans effect from what I saw I really loved, especially when they got hold of the influencer and just like tightened itself around the neck and just hung her and broke her neck. Uh, I, I love seeing killer jeans. Mercer has literally got his head in his hands during this. <laughs> Rubbing his temples. It was fun. At that time in the evening, watching a pair of killer jeans running around Biting people's arms off, blood spraying everywhere. I was completely on board for it. I really enjoyed it. Me too, yeah. But I'll tell you what, we won't dwell on it for too long because it's clearly making Mercer angry. Well, he smashed his head against the screen, so <laughs> probably. Um, yeah, we then came on to my film of the festival. I fucking adore this and I can't wait to see it again. The stylist. 
We didn't actually talk about the stylist Mercer, so I am interested to hear what you've got to say about it. I liked the stylist more than I thought I would. Okay. Cheers for that. It didn't blow me away. Um, I think I really want to get... Uh, is it Nahara Najara Nahara Townsend? Mm. Um, I think she is incredible as an actress, but I didn't enjoy her as much in this film as I've done in the only contracted other, other films that I've seen her in. Uh, one being contracted. There's a point where she does someone's hair for a wedding. And, like, literally everyone's jizzing over this piece of trash hairstyle that looks like it's been done by a three-year-old, if we're being honest. It looked like shit. Maybe the hairstyles weren't the focal point of the storytelling. It's called The Stylist! What else am I supposed to be looking out for? Well, to be fair, we also watched Honey Dew and they weren't fucking growing melons, so... Right, so I'm bringing the positive again, obviously, because this is my film of the fest. I felt so hard for Claire, and she was she was amazing in that role. I thought she portrayed being anguished, and again, like in my heart can't beat unless you tell it to. This kind of socially awkward presence that she brings, and she just wants friends and. You're so scared, even though she's even though she's the one who's like scalping people, maniac style. You are so worried that they're just going to be nasty to her and just not invite her in, like the girls do in the bathroom where they start talking about her. And she plays that hurt so well, where she's like banging on the wheel of the car and constantly leaving the text messages. Oh, she's so good in it. Just for clarity, I do think she was good in it. I'm not saying she wasn't good in it. I do think she gave a great performance. Just as performances go, I've, I, I preferred her in other films. Um, I got a sense, and nobody's going to agree with me, but I'm going to say it anyway. I got a sense of Sarah Michelle Gellar in The Returned from this performance. Um, I just found, yeah, it, it just, it was great but I just felt like I was missing something. See, I didn't get that. And the thing I love most about Claire as a character is that you come in to her life while she's in the midst of doing all this. It's not a build-up to that she's starting to take people's hair and want people's lives because it's anything but her own. You're in the midst of it. It's clearly been going on for a while. And there's no explanation either as to why she is actually the way she is. She says that she's, you know lost her mom and you know had family issues and stuff but can you really believe her because is she telling truth so you don't actually know it could just be that she's out of her mind and oh my god i need to talk about the ending because that was the most perfect ending ever it built up so well she got into this relationship with brie grant's character with olivia she got into this yeah this friendship with olivia it was getting tense but everything looked like it was going to be okay and then you look like at the end she was telling her, you know, I, I'm sorry, I'm lying to you. This is who I am. But instead, she's fucking scalped her. Spoilers again. She gets up to that fucking pew, rips it off, and it's her face. It's her hair on her head. And then it just ends. Brilliant. No aftermath. No, like, putting her in jail. Did she get caught? Nope, just ends there. Fucking amazing. 
Love the stylist. Sorry. I, I, I agree completely with everything you said. It was also my film of the festival. Absolutely adored it. She played brilliantly. I just say this awkward, hurt, desperately wanting to fit in and just have a friend. Because she doesn't. Yeah, she just needed a friend. That's all she needed. Yeah, she did. Like just uh, sorry, I just had a horrible flashback when I went went to see we need to talk about Kevin and there was these two middle aged women sitting next to me and the film finished and they turned around and went, Oh, she just wanted him you just wanted her mum to love him. It's like, no, no <laughs> what the fuck are you on about? But sorry, yeah, I just had a flashback. Yeah, stylist film at the festival for me. It was absolutely incredible. Anywho, final film. Um Got two names, is it not? Red Screening or the Matinee? Definitely the Matinee, or the, the matinee. Whatever, the, whatever the international translation of Death at the Matinee is, which I can't remember off the top of my head, unfortunately. Mercer, tell me you like this one. I didn't like it as much as I thought I was going to. All right. Um, I was super hyped from the description. And the way, like they said, it were a throwback to like the eighties Italian classics, like Demons and and stuff like that. So I was super hyped for it, and I just found it uh, verged on the side of lackluster. So I never really got like fully on board with it. I took it more as the throwback it was. So like. 70s and 80s Italian horror as a rule ain't my bag. You've got your odd exceptions, Demons, Demons 2, Opera, stuff like that. That's fine. But, like, I, I don't know it in depth because it's never really anything that's massively interested me. But, I mean, to be honest, I go back as an adult now and I like more films than I did when I was younger. So, you know, it's maybe just watching the right films. But, for me, this was, like, a Goosebumps version of 70s Italian horror. No, not just in the fact that it were the kids that were left at the end. It was more fun. It was more playful. Yeah, I I got wor- I got worried when the description was given for this film. I literally rolled my head back because it's completely not my scene. Mm. The uh, that particular seventies eighties Italian cinema. But as you say, it it was much more fun than I feared it would be. Just a series of creative deaths with a slasher wandering around the cinema killing yeah. people. What's not the love about that? I, I find it quite interesting, though, that because you you went hyped about the description because you're not into that, so it was a lot more fun for you, whereas I was really hyped, and because I didn't think it lived up to the description, I didn't find it as fun. So, like, when, you, when, I, come, when, like, when I think of demons, like, demons is like over the top all the way through pretty much over the top acting over the top go everything's oh i mean there's a fucking motorbike scene in a cinema and a helicopter crash through there like it's just over the top so for me this didn't have the same kind of fun factor based on the references that it had okay so but that's interesting but i love them type of films Hmm. so yeah, I think it was. It felt missold to me, in the in the fun element. But obviously, I had the flip reverse for you. 
So yeah, it's that's an interesting thing. I thought it was good. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying I didn't like it. I just had my expectations like a uh, hundred, and it was more like a seventy-five. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. I mean, obviously, um, all of we've just talked about pales in comparison to the highlight of the festival, which was the closing song. Normally, with celluloid, uh, we have an after party. I say we, celluloid have an after party. Yeah, it's not just us, <laughs> us three sitting here getting pissed. Celluloid have an after party, which is legendary. Um, it's the best after party of any festival ever. And it always ends about three o'clock in the morning when everybody is drunk off their face with a group or mass singing of Bonnie Tyler's Total Eclipse of the Heart which was in reference to Dead Snow um, when it played some time ago at Celluloid and it's carried on as tradition. So because they couldn't do it this year, they did a video version instead where everyone submitted um, a version of the song, ourselves included, where Mercer got to dress up as Bonnie Tyler and thrash around like a shark in a bath (laughs) acting as Bonnie Tyler, uh, which was hilarious. Um, and it was so nice to see everybody up there taking part and it made me miss the after party a lot, but, you know, with a surprise, um, guest appearance from Wellington Paranormal's Karen O'Leary, who absolutely rocked the karaoke the other year when she was over. Karen does, wait, sir, so I message Karen. After just through Twitter, as you do, going, Oh my god, thanks for doing that, as if like she were doing it for us. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, thank you so much for doing that. You made it it's such a wonderful experience. <laughs> and she was like, I need to see this video. I'm like, What? You haven't even seen it yet. So they've just put it up on YouTube. So I sent a link. Um, and she's like, Yeah, we smashed it. <laughs> and I'm like, Yeah, we did smash it. And she also hopes that everyone who went to Sell Your Screens had a nice festival. Which was nice. Um, yeah, but like best is that. I best you twice. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so in other films, obviously you two have already screamed and shouted what your film of the festival was. Um, well, mine were different. No, my film of the festival was My Heart Can't Beat Unless You Tell It To. I've got a feeling, other than the stylist, we probably all shared like pretty much a similar top five maybe we should not not going through all of them because there are far too many to go through and i know that you talk forever on this subject but maybe without too much detail giving me your top three shorts so let me tell you now i tried to do my top shorts and i've really struggled i managed to get it down to a top 10 um there was loads of shorts by the way and the quality of shorts this year, I think, has been the best for me. I enjoyed so many of them. My ultimate favourite show was called Regret, um, which was about a, a man whose dad had passed away um, and he wasn't going to attend the funeral. So it starts off with him on the phone to his sister and his sister's like, please, can you not just come? And he's like, we're not I'm too busy. Um, and then he has a conversation with his employer and his employers are like, you know, we'll do whatever we need to. And he's like, just leave everything as it is. It's fine. 
um, he's not going to go. Um, and then, like, it just gets a bit freaky. Like, someone keeps knocking on his door, but no one's there. Um, he keeps hearing sounds. There's no one there. Um, and then... <laughs> it's awesome. Um, then his mother phones him, and it's, like, 3 o'clock in the morning, and she's like, I'm sorry it's so late, but I'm just so excited. And he's like, why are you excited? What's going on? And she's like, you'll not believe who I'm with. Guess, guess, guess. He's going, Mom, I'm not going to guess. Just tell me. And she's going, go on, guess, guess, guess. He's like, just tell me who, who you're with. Um, I'm going to talk about this one a lot because it's my favourite. Um, and and um, and then eventually his mum goes to this person. He's not going to guess. So this person's like, put me on the phone. And he's like, don't put anyone else on the phone. Just tell me who you're with. And she's like, I'm with your dad. His dad's dead. And then this weird noise happens on his phone and he drops his phone and he looks down and his hand just shoots out from under bed and pulls it under bed. Fucking jumped. I never jumped. Jumped. It was amazing. And then there's just this creature that then starts stalking him. Um, and it, Do you remember that show called The Box where if you look away from him, yes. they, move, they did that. So every time he looked away, it got closer to him. And it's just a black tart creature with a knife in its hand and bright eyes and white teeth. Honestly, I'm probably not doing it justice. It's not on YouTube yet. I've tried to find it. But the second it is available, I need to share it with the world because it was my favourite show. You should probably it's... share it with us as well because we didn't get to see it, unfortunately. It was so tense. Honestly, I was gripping. Like, I'm not making it sound tense because I'm quite lighthearted. But like when you're watching it and you're in the moment, I was literally gripping the arms of my chair and I never do anything like that. But it just literally, it got me. So I don't know, it could be subject matter. It could be it could be a whole host of things. But um, yeah, it was so good. So that was my favourite. Um, and then like it's it's plucking out of air. Well, if you, if you had to pick a two and a three, what would you pick? Well, I'd probably pick Abracitos which was the two girls whose mum had just died mm -hmm. and the Abracitos in the room or the smiling lady. That was really good. Again, I actually jumped at that one. I jumped I never to that jumped. one too, yeah. Jumped to that one. That was so good. And I guess my third would have been... Oh, it's so hard because there were so many good ones. But I'm going to say... I'm fighting, I'm fighting. I'm going to say both of them as my third. I'm going to say Selfie and uh, Peter the Penguin. Okay. Uh, we all loved Peter the Penguin. Peter the Penguin was great. Chris, your top three. Okay, so my top three were different than Mercer's. Thankfully, or else we'd just be talking over the same shorts. Truth bombs. Truth bombs. And normally, normally you get a great, a, few, a selection of three or four great ones, and then the rest from fair to middling. Whereas this year, I think all of them were up the top end mm. of the scale. I think my favourite is going to be Laura Hasn't Slept. Incredible. Talking about talking about jump scares, the, whole way, the, nice, the nice build from talking with a therapist to, no, you actually, are you sure you're not still asleep? The whole brick wall outside, the performance from... Kindred spirit actress who plays a sister whose name has completely escaped me at this moment in time. Very reminiscent of uh, Dream Warriors as well, where Patricia Arquette enters the house and it's all kind of decayed and yeah, exactly. had that feel to it. Exactly. The budget they have for this must have been quite 
quite it's re- it got a really great look and then the final jump scare when he has when he has peeled his face off to reveal it Jen, I jumped I love I love a good jump scare yeah. and yeah and that one got me so that was that was probably my favourite my two and three definite shout out to something doesn't feel right mm-hmm. the slasher the melancholic melancholic slasher who while killing people just feels his life is slightly slightly missing something. Yeah. So that was also absolutely brilliant. Really enjoyed that one. And also while really, really long so and I have an issue generally with shorts being really, really long. I love the haunted swordsman. But the Japanese puppet short where he has the decapitated head that he's carrying around Oh, with yeah. him. Yeah. So, as far as I'm aware, that's several shorts already in place for this part. And he's telling the whole story for a series of shorts. And I am eagerly looking forward to the next one. Because it not, it's not, wasn't massively horror-based. It was very anime kind of style, manga kind of style. But beautifully look looking. Great story. I could happily have sat down and watched... Half hour, forty-five minutes of that. Just when it's a complete with three amazing shorts there, Chris, <laughs> and all of them are fantastic. The Haunted Swordsman, the craftsmanship on that one is incredible. Like it's puppetry, but I couldn't even tell it was puppetry. I thought it was CGI. Um, it's it's a really really. It's stunningly beautiful, the way it looks. It's so good. My uh, top three are actually different to both of yours as well. So this is working out really well. Um, my first one is probably going to be The Rougarou, which was absolutely incredible. Um, not to go too much into it, but essentially it's from the perspective of a little girl whose dad has just come out of prison and um, he seems to be involved in some quite heavy stuff. Um, I think he probably went away for murder. Um, comes back and, you know, uh, she gets told this story about the Rougarou, this monster who's trying to get into the house. So she sets up all these traps to try and stop him getting into the house. And, you know, I'm, I'm not going to go any further into it because I really don't want to spoil the ending because the ending is incredible. So I'm just going to leave that there. Please seek that out. Um, I would then go for, actually... Oh, Zombies and Ghosts. It was the cutest little short. Uh, just about how basically um, zombies now are more popular than people themselves. So these two zombies are driving along in a camper van and one of them has a ghost of someone he's killed. Which <laughs> is, is about the ghost getting back to his ghost family. It's proper sweet. Very TikTok era kind of humour, which I really, really enjoy. And uh, finally, bad hair, because I nearly puked. (laughs) I actually nearly puked. It made me feel sick. Bad hair, to me, honestly, felt like... I want to see Andy Stewart make it. Yes, (laughs) absolutely. Um, Gentleman who's having hair troubles, getting all vain about it, bless him, so uh, decides to try this formula for regrowth that's clearly off the black market somewhere. And... uh, Gets it all in his head, starts acting a bit weird, like, you know, you're expecting it to. And he gets a bit in his eye. And I am going to spoil here, because it's absolutely fucking disgusting. Um, When he gets some in his eye, 
hair starts growing out of his eye and honestly I just <laughs> horrible there's absolutely a, horrible there's a scene with a razor blade where everyone every, normally you expect everyone to be quiet and just watch these shorts in the film I don't think there was anyone there who didn't just go, oh, no, no, don't, oh. wasn't even the razor blade bit for me. It's when it all started coming through. Because for me, the idea of growing hair in places that it shouldn't really weirds me out. Like, if you start growing hair on your tongue and on your eyes, weirds me the fuck out. I am. Uh, they were all really good shots. I am I'm shocked you didn't pick Mr. This for that. Mr. This for that was great. But, essentially, the message of it is that your life is perfect if you don't have children. <laughs> That's the message of it. And I thought, well, what is that trying to say? So I thought, no, I'm going to mix it up. I'm going to go for something fun. Something that really, really fucking weirded me out and something that absolutely affected me. So that's why I've picked the three I have. So a couple of these, not necessarily the ones we've talked about, but a couple of the shorts that played are on YouTube. Mm. So... Um, I've just started creating a little shorts channel with them on. Um, so I, I think we'll probably start now that they've played the festival and they're on YouTube. I'm guessing it's safe to share them. Mm. So I'll start sharing the ones that we've seen, um, the good ones. So I mean, yeah, as um, as our return to physical festivals go, this one was a banger. Everyone around was respectful of what they should be doing, but everyone still managed to maintain that vibe of, you know, we can still have a good time at a festival even though we're sat in a seat sort of thing. Yeah. We still had a family vibe. Mm. We still had a sense of community. And like you said, everyone was respectful. Everyone did everything they could to make sure that it was safe for everybody else. And it was a really good festival. Absolutely. And, but I want an after party. <laughs> Hopefully next year. Next year. Yeah, so, um, yeah. Thank you, everyone, for listening to our ramblings. Uh, just before we go, like I say, massive shout out to the celluloid team, to Rob. Polly, Lucy, Claire, um, if you want to hit them up with some love, they're on Twitter, at Chef Horrorfest, and they're also on Facebook, under Celluloid Screams. So, show them mm-hmm. some love. And show the showroom some love as well, because the showroom were fantastic. And now that, obviously, um, Cineworld has unfortunately had to close, if you are still wanting cinema and you are in Sheffield, or you're anywhere where you can support your local cinema, please go do it, because now's the time, if you're not spending that money, you know. Yeah, I think, bear in mind, if we've lost a massive company like Cineworld, how difficult it is for these independent cinemas to keep functioning. Mm. Um, So if you can, go. But only if you feel safe. Like, you know, take take your personal... um, well-being into account absolutely that's our thoughts ramblings on the films of cellulite screams the festival we'll be returning back to a normal format next week where we will be doing (laughs) found footage now everyone's favorite genre 
but there's some fucking corker found footage films. So remember, after this episode's posted, we give us some feedback on what you thought of the episode and let us know your favourite found footage film and why it's your favourite. Remember to get them in because we don't want you coming back to us on the results show telling us that something else were better than what's ended up on there. <laughs> All right? I love your alliteration there, Mercer. Favourite found footage film? I did that purposely as well. So we'll see you next week with the found footage episode, but obviously in the meantime, remember to rate, review and subscribe. You can find us on Twitter at SpitGrades, uh, Instagram at SpitGrades and Facebook on I, as I spit on your grades. We're available on every fucking podcast channel, I think, now. Um, so just search for us on Google. Um, and if you want to email us, it's electricpossums at gmail.com. If you want to share any of your shows, any of your talent with us, uh, and you want us to discuss all, then uh, get it sent to that email. We love you. We love you hard. Thank you. And goodbye. Bye. Bye-bye.